I'm Trana Winter, a writer, comedian, singer, basically Barbara Streisand minus the money and some of the talent. And I'm Thomas LeBlanc, a gay Quebecois host and producer who's really, really, really into Celine Dion. We're the hosts of Chosen Family, a CBC podcast where we speak to our heroes about what it means to find community in the creative process. Chosen Family is available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. People are curious, and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask. Or at least, not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. Harf, what do you get when a millennial a middle-aged dad and an inappropriate question walk into a recording studio. (laughs) I guess an interesting podcast. We hope so. We hope so. (laughs) I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. I'm queer. I'm non-binary. I'm a total podcast nerd. I'm super into social issues and staying aware of what's going on in the world around me. But I think I have a lot to learn. My name is Harvinder Vadva. I'm a project manager. And I have two kids who constantly tell me I know nothing. <laughs> so I think I am an aware person. Yeah. But increasingly, I'm realizing how little I know. And I'm here to become woke. That's a word I taught her. <laughs> True. When we were going into making this podcast, we really wanted to make sure that the two hosts had different perspectives. So the first thing the other producers and I thought about is that we want our dads to listen to this podcast. So we started trying to cast a middle-aged dad. Yes, and my daughter, Rim, she mentioned that Elena was looking for an ignorant person. I said, sign me up, sign me up, sign me up. Okay. Together, Harv and I are going to be looking into the questions people ask that maybe they shouldn't. So why questions? Why are we breaking down these inappropriate questions? We become so insensitive it's not that we want to be insensitive, but because we see or read or do stuff constantly that we stop thinking how it is impacting others. Yeah. Questions are about curiosity, right? That's a genuine wish to know more about someone's life. That Most people are coming from a place of a good intention. But then when you ask these questions, sometimes that can be really disrespectful and you don't know how that's impacting the other person, like you say. And we can keep talking, but I think let's get started. This episode, we're talking all about the question, have you had the surgery? And questions like this that transgender people get asked about their bodies. Before we start, give us an overview of how this is going to work. We'll be talking to people who have been on the receiving end of these questions. And we'll be talking to experts who can tell us where these questions came from and why people like to ask them in the first place. You're also going to hear voice notes from the community sprinkled throughout, talking about their experiences with questions like this. I am so excited. Let's get woke. You're you're not going to let this die, are you? (laughs) Harvinder woke Common privates for a reason. Like that's no one's business. They usually think first what's down there before they even actually talk to us. So if you had the surgery, are you gonna get the surgery? What about testosterone? Are you gonna be a man? All right, Elena. Who do we have lined up? 
we're going to speak to Robert Molloy. He's a university student studying politics and governance. He's been openly transgender since he was in 10th grade. He volunteers with LGBTQ groups on his campus. He's a freelance spoken word artist. And he's also a dog person. Welcome, Rob. Hey. Welcome, Rob. I'm such a dog person. (laughs) So to start us off, Rob, tell us about a time someone asked you... Have you had the surgery? So basically, I'm walking through campus and somebody comes up to me and goes, hey, Rob, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. I don't remember who you are, but I guess we're going to have this conversation now. And then they're like, so if you had the surgery? And there's just this pause for a good two minutes as I'm just standing there wide eyed. I'm like, it's 9 a.m. I've had half a cup of coffee. This is not the time to ask me about my personal surgeries. So that's probably the main one. But I get it every once in a while, especially with family. Like, I only came out to my extended family within the last year, and they ask a lot of really weird questions, and that's the main one is, so have you had the surgery? Are you going to get the surgery? What about testosterone? Are you going to be a man? And it's a really awkward time. So, Rob, uh, you are the first transgender person I have ever met or openly transgender person. I may have met a number of them. I don't know. And I am just so intrigued. If I can go back a little bit, Rob, can you tell us what is a transgender? So when you're like describing trans folks, you can either use trans, trans folks, trans people, trans men, trans women. Like, usually you wouldn't go, like, that's a transgendered person. That's why we, like, all kind of gave, like, a look and a little bit of a laugh. So, like, that's the best way to use. So you can use trans or trans folks, or that makes sense. Hmm. Understood. How is the best way I can describe this? So basically, cisgender people are people who agree with the gender they were assigned at birth. So if you were born with male parts and you were gendered as a male and you agree with that, then you're cis. Trans folks are people who don't agree with that. So that could be anywhere between being transgender, which is what I am. So I was born assigned female at birth and I don't agree with that. I think I should have been assigned male at birth. And so I'm trans. So it is... uh different in the sense that the way you are perceiving yourself is a little different than what biologically you are. Definitely. So does that make you different in any other way than the cis people? Yeah, definitely. A lot of people say like, so were you born in the wrong body? And I'm like, well, no, I think they're probably if you want to go higher power, if you want to think everything happens for a reason, like I probably was assigned female at birth for lots of different reasons. Like I work in the Center for Women and Trends. I don't think I could ever, ever have done that as a cis male because I never would be able to see a woman's perspective through a cis male lens. Like it's really difficult to be a cis masculine person and be like, oh, women experience misogyny. What about the wage gap? Like that's something I don't think I would have been able to perceive as a cis male. So being assigned female at birth, I'm aware of the privileges you can have as a cis male or having as a male or having as a straight person. So I think that's like the main way, but there definitely are like thought differences i've known since i was a kid that's probably like the next question is like how long have you known you were trans i wrote a spoken word about this and it's called peter pan and basically it starts with uh when i was a little girl i went to bed every night thinking like wanting to be peter pan when i grew up and i remember being like six waking up in the morning and crying because i wasn't peter pan because i wanted to be a boy when i woke up and i woke up and i was still a girl and i was sad i think we actually have a clip of that that we can play I told my mother that I wanted to be Peter Pan when I grew up. She said, silly girl, you should dream to be Wendy Darling so that one day your Peter Pan can come rescue you. 
So, like, Gosh. I don't know what that means. I had no idea what trans was. I didn't find out the word transgender until I was in, like, eighth grade, seventh grade kind of style. Like, I can't really say, like, oh, I knew what trans was from a little kid. No, I didn't, but I knew I was trans, but I didn't know the word for it. I just wanted to be a boy, and I was like, I don't understand. Right. How does it feel looking back on that from where you are now? Just so everybody is on the same page, I'm pre-everything, so I haven't started testosterone. I've done a little bit of therapy, but I haven't gotten very far yet. It's a really long process in Ontario, and I'm trying to get through university first. Like, I'm not rushing into testosterone. I'm not rushing into treatments because that's not something I'm, like, really concerned about. I'm concerned about my GPA right now. So that's kind of where I'm sitting. But definitely, it's really hard to be like, yeah, I'm trans. I use male pronouns when this is what my voice sounds like. So that's definitely, like... main thing with experience. I hope that answers it. You said a lot of things, but I'm still not clear about uh, one thing. You're talking about some treatment. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? So being trans is like a process. So like I came out, I came out to myself. So I came out to myself in probably like ninth, 10th grade when I started doing my own research. I came out to my family only about two years ago. Like I actually was living a double life for a really long time. So I was Rob in school in grade 12 and I was my birth name, which is Rowan, um, at home. So it was a really interesting time. I literally jumped pronouns every day. Wow. So that was like a time. But I came out to my family and then a lot of folks usually uh, go to your doctor and you're like, hey, I'm trans. And your doctor's like, cool. And then they send you for treatment. So usually you have to go through some therapy therapy first. You used to have to go through CAMH, which is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. It's changed a lot recently because transness used to be classified as a mental disorder, as gender dysphoria, which was really sucky because it basically was like on all of your profiles, it basically said you had this debilitating mental illness when it's like, I'm pretty sure my identity isn't a mental illness, but you know. And then you can start doing treatments. So I could take testosterone and my voice would drop and I would grow body hair and all of these other things would happen. You can Google them if you're really want to know. And then a lot of folks get surgery. So there's top surgery, which is removing the breasts. And then there's bottom surgery, which is kind of complicated. I'm not going to go into Google. (laughs) I like, I haven't even looked into it. So I can't even be like, here is the medical procedure. Like, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of trans folks aren't interested in that. And some are, and some aren't. It's really complicated. That's the biggest thing with being trans is like, it's literally different for everybody. So I can speak for me, but I can't speak for like a, the trans person in the, let's say there's a trans person in the room next door. I can't speak on their experiences. Right. So when someone says something like, have you had the surgery? How do you react? Do you generally try to answer them or? Uh, <laughs> That's like the actual noise that goes through me. I'm just like, do it again. Why? Uh, there we go. Why are you doing this? It's It depends on context. I think context is right. everything when you're talking about trans things. Like when I'm in a place like this, when I'm at a podcast, literally talking about trans issues, this is a very different environment than Gould Street at 9 a.m. when I've had half a cup of coffee. Please stop. Is there a misconception about trans people that comes through or is there something they're trying to get at through this question? a reason for their curiosity? Um, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think they have good intentions. I like don't want to be like, no, they're trying to make me uncomfortable because of course they're not. People I, like people are not nasty Brutus in short. They're trying to actually be nice. But it's just like coming off in a way of really uncomfortable because like I'm not going to go up to a cis person and be like, how do you have sex? Like that's not a question. So why, if you're not going to go up to a cis person and ask that, 
Why are you going to go up to a trans person? My favorite thing I have, like, saved on my computer is let me Google that for you. Yeah. Like, Google. If you don't know, Harv, it's this animation that comes up of just Google. And then this little this little mouse comes up and it types in your question for you. <laughs> and it just Googles it for you. It's That is the brilliance of uh, can I Google it for you? That's the thing is I think a lot of folks expect trans people to be your Google. Like, just because I am a trans person does not mean I can be like, here is the entire wave of why I am a trans person and what that means. We made it pretty clear, but I don't want to put it on the record, that we are going to use you as Google (laughs) for this podcast. (laughs) Your new name is Rugal? (laughs) (laughs) So what are reasons, maybe just to give people some idea, that you haven't taken some of these steps? You said you're focusing on your GPA. What are some, some of the reasons people might not want to take hormones or have surgeries? Um, Needles are scary. Right. And like, I'm really, really privileged to have a lot of OHIP coverage. So as soon as I start a lot of testosterone, a lot of it's going to be covered. For a lot of folks I know, it won't be covered. And surgeries are like $12,000. And a lot of them aren't covered. I can only speak as a a white person, especially I've heard trans folks of color have even more barriers, especially my family isn't really religious. I like cannot even speak for the trans folks of color who are under religious barriers. Like I've heard so many things about my friends being like, my parents are really strict Catholic, but I'm really trans and I cannot take this anymore. And it's like, uh, that it's the noise. That's my just automatic noise of like, this sucks. Bring it back. Bring it back. So two questions to you, Rob. The first question is being a transgender person from day-to-day life. Is it different? Is it challenging? Uh, Can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah. So it's different every day. It's definitely different every day. Um, So I guess I'm going to finally describe the term of dysphoria. I feel like I need to explain dysphoria to explain anything else. So dysphoria is... Feeling uncomfortable in your body due to gender. So that could be due to a body part, due to a voice, due to this, due to that. Um, So, like, I went to Starbucks this morning and the person goes, how are you doing today, miss? And the best way I've ever been able to describe dysphoria is, so let's say you're walking downstairs and you think you've missed a step and your stomach just kind of lurches for a second. That's what dysphoria feels like for, like, 15 minutes. It's that lurching feeling of uncomfortable, just like not good feeling, especially because, you know, when you have that feeling, it kind of hangs out with you for a little while. Like it it could be two hours after you've like missed that step and you're still kind of feeling that. Think of that for like four days. And that could be like a dysphoria trip of like I've had friends who like will go through dysphoria spirals and they last like three weeks. Rob, make the noise. Uh. There we go. And so sometimes my dysphoria is super bad and I'm like staying in my room, cuddled in a blanket, watching MASH, which is like my favorite old TV show. So like watching like a binge TV show, eating popcorn and being like, nope, not today, not today. And then most days I'm like pretty good. Um, Lots of trans folks have dysphoria about different things. So some folks are dysphoria about their bodies. So not every trans person passes. I know lots of trans friends who are like, are the most like, do do not care about passing. It doesn't make a difference. But at least speaking only because I can only speak from my experience, passing a lot of the time for me is like super important. Like when I get the right pronouns at Starbucks, it's like the best part of my day. Breaking down passing just for a second. Uh, So passing, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is when you are read as the gender you identify with. 
that is the best way to describe it. It's like, um, so for me as a transmasculine person, it's being perceived as masculine. So, um, and a lot of that is social. It's the way you walk. It's the way you dress. It's how you look. It's all these things. So like, I've had people like come up to me like, you pass really well until you open your mouth. Like, that's a thing. And I'm like, why? Because it's almost all social. Because you think of the masculine voice as the deep voice. And I can talk with the deep voice for like 30 seconds and then I'm back to normal. Like, it's super difficult to like change try changing your voice so if you have a really low voice try speaking at a high voice for longer than 15 minutes and you'll see what i mean harv i challenge you go for it (laughs) (laughs) okay going back to so did i understand it correctly that if you are addressed with the wrong pronoun that can cause dysphoria for you yep it's different every day so let's say someone has like messed up my pronouns at a coffee shop and i'm just like "Mm, uncomfortable so my options are i go home and cry i'm just like if it's just i just am not having my day i'm just like nope nope done with humans today going back home not going to class not finishing that test not doing this thing going home that's one way i do not like that way it happens though Two, I usually text one of my friends who is either gender fluid or trans or somewhere or like a really, really understanding cis friend of being like, hey, someone messed up my pronouns and I'm sad. And they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. You're male. You're cool. You're handsome. You're great. It's different every day. There could be days when someone like messes up my pronouns and I'm like, okay, but sucks. The person who is messing up your pronoun is ignorant, is not trying to hurt you or in any way trying to insult you. But it still hurts. I mean, um, that's the way society could change. They don't have to gender me at a coffee shop. They could have just been like, oh, sweetie. Like, lots of people at my um, my hometown coffee shop, I actually, like, they started, I noticed they would always be like, a lady or gentleman, or like, they'd, try, they'd be really gendered. I'd be like, can you? Y'all could try using sweetie. Sweetie, I believe, is the most gender-neutral term for coffee shops of being like, hi, sweetie. But if somebody calls me sweetie, I will have different ideas. The question, have you had the surgery, or some of the other questions you've gotten are, seem to be rooted in a fascination with trans people's bodies and an objectification, kind of, I guess you'd say. What drives people's fascination, do you think? We're just really weird, man. (laughs) I'm just really weird. I don't know. Um, So... I guess because they argue that like people who let's say someone has had the surgery and let's I'm going to use Laverne Cox as an example because she's actually gorgeous. Yes. And folks think every trans woman should look like Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox is on Orange is the New Black. She's the trans person. She's like, if you know a trans person, you know of Laverne Cox or you know of Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm also going to use Caitlyn Jenner as an example. Mm, not my favorite example, but like the idea of the standards of beauty. So someone has transitioned and looks just the epitome of femme. Or there's lots of trans masculine folks or trans guys and the amount of buffness they look. Like they've gone from like the most beautiful girl to like the most buff man ever. Studs, total studs. Studs, like you would never know they were trans. And lots of people think that that's how every trans person looks. Where it's like, no. I think I'm always going to be a very awkward, skinny person. I'm just going to maybe have a little bit deeper of a voice and maybe I'll have a mustache. So, like, I think that's definitely something of, like, that people put so much work into, like, going through so much surgery to look so femme or so masculine or working out, like, every day. But it definitely kind of sucks for other trans people who don't want to do that. So there are trans women I know 
who don't want to go through um, like having very, very large breasts or having all the surgeries or having bottom surgery or having anything like they just want to be women and taken as women. And to be a woman is to be gorgeous. And so they're like, I have to spend $20,000 on these surgeries and maybe those surgeries won't even make me happy. Or trans guys who are like, I just got top surgery. Now I got to look buff. I can't look like a, I can't look any different. I can't not have a six pack because that's definitely the standards of masculinity is like having the six pack being buff and like that kind of thing. I think it's appropriate for trans people to ask other trans people like have you had the surgery where did you go how did you apply like these are really important questions and 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 not just like clinical knowledge but like the actual experience of of going through trans related surgeries um it, it is really important for that information to get disseminated i think a lot of what we're talking about is more for how cis people should be acting behaving around trans people but to trans people who are listening right like you have to ask these questions like you can't be shy we'll be back with rob in a moment but for another perspective our producer cindy met up with danielle araya she's a coordinator at the trans youth mentorship program at the 519 which is an lgbtq organization here in toronto She also brought along some members of her program, who you've actually already been hearing from throughout this episode, and you'll be hearing more of them here. So asking a trans person, have they had the surgery? Is it an inappropriate question? We call them privates for a reason. Like, that's no one's business unless you're like, it's your mom giving birth to you, or it's a doctor, or maybe your your sexual partner. You know, those should be the only people that actually see you if you want them to and consent to it. So it depends, like, why people are asking. You know, I always say, buy me dinner and you'll find out. Or, you know, like, a lot of people assume, like, being trans, you have to have a surgery to kind of be affirmed for who you are. Your your gender is tied into your sex. So if you have a sex change, in quotation marks, you can't see them, but I'm doing them. Um, that is a necessary thing to be, like, the right trans woman or the right trans man. But a lot of people are happy with their genitalia. They're happy with their bodies. You know, that myth, like, trans people hate their bodies or their brain is in the wrong body. That is a very common, you know, maybe misconception. They are just assuming that a trans person is, like, one kind of person or, like, everyone kind of, you know, wants to change sex or change gender, like, from the opposite direction. And what is the opposite direction too? You know, like a lot of people are genderqueer and a lot of people are non-binary. So there's all kinds of, you know, different ways people feel about their body parts and being careful around like maybe continuing to uphold surgery as the ultimate kind of way to transition. Because I think a lot of people, again, can't access it, can't afford it. Uh, And so just to not make people feel maybe guilty or like, um, or feel kind of not worthy if they don't have that surgery. And it's like great to celebrate. Like I love celebrating all my friends that have surgeries and like, you got your new vagina, yay, like V party, or you know, or like new penis, whatever, you know, phallus. Uh, you know, it's fun to have those parties. Like it's like a new baby, right? <laughs> so you can, you can celebrate those things, but just being careful of like, not again, like holding genitalia to like a standard that's like, that's who you are. Why do you think people are so fixated on this idea of gender and sex and genitalia? It's kind of uh, how we measure people and like, you know, sexism is based on like sex, right? And so a lot of the, the social systems we live under are telling like men should do this and women should do this. And, you know, uh, a woman's worth is like her vagina, her uterus, you know, having babies and having breasts and having you know to breastfeed, like all these kind of very primal, like animalistic kind of ways of looking at human bodies. It's just like 
tools for procreation. And so that's why genitalia matters to people. And when you're not using it to like procreate, like if you're gay or lesbian or some trans people have children, but you know, some people don't want to have kids. Um, and maybe trans people often are sterile from hormones and maybe don't have you know, the uterus or like the whatever, ovaries or sperm to have children. Uh, people always wonder like, you can't have kids. Oh, poor you, poor pathetic you. But a lot of people don't need it, right? And so a lot of people, and then people, there's tons of asexual people too, right? And so this kind of a- a- emphasis on sex and procreation, I think is based on a lot of, you know, cultural, religious kind of norms and expectations because, yeah, our bodies are so fascinating and so weird sometimes to people that, you know, the weirdness is what scares people. And so like they have to kind of figure us out so they don't get so scared anymore. But we're more than just our bodies. And I think that's the problem is that people need to realize like we are genders and our genders are like our minds, our body, or yeah, maybe our bodies, our spirits even. Like there's a whole, you know, holistic approach to who we are rather than just our body parts. You mentioned earlier that your privates are something that only your mom or your doctor or your sexual partner should know. When it comes to dating and romance and that kind of thing, do you get this question a lot? And how do you respond to it? From my experience as a trans woman who dates uh, straight men, it's kind of like a really common question, right? I think uh, trans women specifically are like sexually objectified, fetishized, uh, and like the porn industry has made so much money off, you know, trans women's bodies and the idea that like, you can be a very feminine, have a very feminine body with like all like the, the boobs and the hips and the curves and the lips and all that kind of aesthetic stuff. But then the penis is there. And that's like, that's one of the most common, like desirable things about trans women is that kind of like mix of these like masculine and feminine attributes. Uh, and for some men, like if, if a trans woman's had the surgery, they're less desirable or they're less kind of interesting or, or kinky in a weird way. Uh, or maybe the reverse as well, where like uh, maybe a cis straight guy would only date a trans girl if she's had it, like the surgery, uh, and like she's almost assimilated into like the cis world where like she's undetectable and stealth. And like she's so passable that no one would know. And unfortunately it kind of, makes people have to kind of pick a side, like an allegiance, like, or like an extreme sometimes where people in the middle, like, uh, don't want to conform to those norms or stereotypes, sometimes gets lost in the mix. A thing that I would prefer if people did um, would be if they could be like, hey, do you mind if I maybe ask you a question about your body or do you mind if I ask you a question about transition so like the person has the option to be like well yeah okay I'm feeling like in a headspace where I'm able to talk about those things or if like no I've had our day I'd rather not. If somebody asks me about my pronouns when they meet me I am so grateful because in that moment me as a non-binary person to just save me the labor of putting it there when I don't even know how so that question is always welcome. We're back with Rob Malloy. Rob, is there a way people can ask this question more respectfully or should they just go to Google? Um, I feel like uh, knowing me for more than 15 seconds, also a plus, like ask me about dogs. Like, can we have a conversation about something that's not about what's under these pants? Like, can we have that conversation first? Like, or if someone just asks me, hey, can I ask you a couple questions? And like, as long as they're not like super invasive, I'm usually cool with answering them. You just have to ask first and not like questioning my answers. Like, I understand you're playing devil's advocate and I'm super cool with that. It's podcast situation. But like, if someone just starts to argue, be like, you're not a man. You don't have a penis, you're not a man. And I'm like, bruh, 
Bruh. Bruh, bruh is a slang term we children use, Harv. Because I don't like bro because it's so masculine, so I use bruh. Bruh. Okay. Does your daughter say bruh ever? Oh, Rim so hardly confused. talks to me. So. Oh. Okay, we'll have a podcast that was episode sad. about about Harv's family. Harv family 101. Keeping up with the Wadwas. <laughs> I would listen to that song. Um, if we are to support or we are to do anything to make this a more fairer society for trans people, what should we be doing? Uh, listening is great. Like listening to lots of other trans folks' experiences, like not expecting one trans person to speak for all of the trans, especially because there's 775,000 of us in Canada. I can't speak for all of them. Some of them probably have cooler hair than me. Ask them questions. Some of them have more background than me. Some of them have different, like, lived experiences. Like, I sit in a place as a white person, as a privileged person, as a person who is upper class, as a person who now has technically the beginnings of a university education. There are lots of trans people in very different situations than me, and I can't speak for all of them. So listening is great. I even, like, sit and listen. Right. Being aware of the barriers that a trans person could make. So let's say you're hosting an event how close are your nearest gender-neutral bathrooms? Because I've looked at event pages, and they don't say if they have gender-neutral bathrooms, and I've considered not going. We did a go-around circle right before this podcast started, because I'm really bad with names, and I asked name and pronoun. That's one of the biggest ways as a trans person to know I am going to be safe in a room, is if you ask me my pronouns. Especially for my friends who use they-them pronouns. They-them is still becoming, like, it's slowly becoming more mainstream and it's super validating to hear someone agreeing with your, like, respecting your pronouns. I'm going to give one other example of pronouns when people would go, oh, yeah, this is Rob, she, he talks like this. Like, that's the best way if you mess up someone's pronouns, correcting them. She, he, and continue your sentence. Because going she, I'm so sorry. That must have made you so uncomfortable i'm such a terrible friend because now we're sitting here and i'm like now i have to feel bad for you even though you hurt me and i just have to sit here and be like it's okay when like it's not okay and i have to say it's okay i can't just be like yeah it's not okay because that makes you more sad and then we're even more of like i'm a terrible friend and i'm just like "Mm." and on that noise i think we should wrap it up is there anywhere, Rob, just before we leave you, where our listeners can find your social media presences or your work? Anything you want to plug? So you can find me on social media. I'm on pretty much every social media site under R-M-M-O-L-L-O-Y. So R-M Malloy. That's like how you can find me. You'll be able to find that on our website, iqpodcast.com. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank Welcome. you, Rob. Yay. I'm Harvinder Vadva. And I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. Thanks so much to our guests, Robert Malloy and Danielle Araya. You heard voice notes from Ellie, Zara, Leas, Scarlett, and Julie at the Trans Youth Mentorship Program at the 519. You might not know that we have an accompanying webcomic for every episode of this podcast. This episode, our comic was illustrated by JJ Dudes. You can find him at JJ Dudes, that's double J, D-O-O-D-S, on Instagram. Follow us on all the socials at IQ underscore podcast and talk to us. We want to hear from you. The brilliant brainiacs behind inappropriate questions are Sabrina Birch, Aaron Garrett, Cindy Long, and myself. 
And thank you to our interns and associates, Nuha Khan, Pia Arnetta, Faria Ahmed, and Haley Krichman. We are supported by the Ryerson University Transmedia Zone. An inappropriate question is like that lurch in your stomach when you miss a step coming down the stairs. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.